Well, it's great to be here this morning. My name is Dean. I'm one of the pastors here. It's always interesting at Leighton, I have to say this. It's, it reminds me of a Southwest flight. Um, because, uh, the reason, it may not be that um, known, but what happens here is that like the people that have the ticket A, they go and they sit over here. This section fills up first, and then, you know, if you have a B ticket, you kind of show up over here, C, D. But anyways, at Leighton, it's kind of interesting how, how that works. But it's great to be here today. We're in our series on anxiety, anxious for nothing, and we're in our final week, which happens to deal with when finances make you anxious. So I guess it's a good thing that um, I'm the finance guy at Alpine, so I guess I should be the one that uh, delivers a message like this this morning, but um, it's great to be here. And finances are a major issue. 2022 has made millions of Americans a little bit anxious about their finances. We can look at some of the increases according to the consumer price index and see exactly the impact that our economy is having this past year. These are from just a month ago or less than a month ago. Medical care services always increase, but we've seen increases in rent, 72.2%, all the way down to our fuel oil, which is significant at 58.1%. But that's not all. We have our 401k plans that have basically gone down 25%. So for the average American, that's $34,000 that you've lost in 2022. Stocks haven't helped us. They've gone down $9 trillion um, in this year. And then to top that off, we have our um, debt, we have our credit cards, and the average person's credit card debt is now $9,000, total of $887 billion. Now, after yesterday, Black Friday, I think, I think that debt has gone up. Because they said that it was a record online sales for Black Friday at $9.12 billion. So when it comes to the economy and our finances, there's a lot to be anxious about. And yet, despite this truth, there's even a greater reality that we do not need to be anxious about our finances. And that brings us right back to Philippians chapter 4, where we've been this whole series. We've called it, kind of called it the chapter on anxiety. And once again, we're brought back there as Paul talks a little bit about this subject and that we're going to dive in today. And Paul says this, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situa situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. 
So if Paul says he had to learn how to be content, it probably means that it wasn't natural. And it's definitely not natural for you and me. It might be a surprise to you, but financial anxiety comes for all of us, whether we have too little or whether we have too much. No matter what your financial situation is, you are not excluded from experiencing financial anxiety, although it may feel and it may look a little different depending upon your situation. And I would imagine that for most of us, our issue is not the too little, it's probably the too much, since we're fortunate to be in America. But there are those that struggle with too little. How do we pay for our bills? How are we gonna meet our in-month bills? Where's the money gonna come from? Does God even really care that I'm kind of in a financial crunch? Well, in this type of situation, it's important for us to remember, not only if we have too little, but even if that doesn't apply to us, it's important for us to remember that God knows your needs. A few verses later in the book of Philippians, Paul says this. He says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. If there was one person qualified to testify to the fact that God knows and meets needs, it was Paul. He says of himself that he was shipwrecked three times. He had frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, robbers, fellow countrymen, dangers in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And yet, despite all of that, Paul says that God always met his needs and he'll always meet your needs. I'm not sure many of us have experienced the depths of Paul's dire situations. But it is good for us to realize that if God is able to know and meet his needs, he's able to meet yours and know yours. Paul lived and experienced what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. A long time ago, I heard a quote that said that 95% it might have been 98, 95% of what we worry about never takes place. And I found that to be true in my life. It usually doesn't even happen. We spend a lot of time worrying about tomorrow, and usually we're worrying about finances, and frankly, it's energy that's not well spent. 
Our concentration should be on today and God providing and knowing our needs for today and trusting that he will provide. In fact, one of God's name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. It is his essence. It is who God is. Moses reminds the people of Israel this. He gathered all of the people and he reminded them of all that God had done and all the great signs and wonders that he did. And then Moses said this to them. He said, I have led you in the wilderness for 40 years. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandal has not worn out on your foot. And although you ate no bread and drank no wine, God provided for you. We see God providing for Elijah. He tells Elijah to go down to the brook and wait for the ravens. And each day the ravens would bring Elijah bread and meat. Each day was enough. If we read on in 1 Kings, we also see that God provided for the widow at Zarephath through Elijah. Elijah came and said, hey, I, I could use some bread. And the widow said, I swear to God, I have no bread. I only have a little bit, a handful of flour, and a little oil. And in fact, I'm collecting some wood because I'm making my last meal before me and my son die. That's how dire her situation was. And Elijah said, well, why don't you make the bread and give it to me, which seemed a little selfish. But, and then he said, and then with the extra, make a meal for your son and you. For this is what God says. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Jehovah Jireh, God always provides. He meets the needs. And if we go back to that Sermon on the Mount and just a few verses earlier, we see that Jesus provides a strong illustration of God caring for us and demonstrating this. It says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. I have not seen this truth more clearly portrayed than when I was in graduate school. I spent a summer in Kenya and I spent several weeks in the slums of Nairobi. And I've never seen something like that where the individuals, the people had nothing and yet Every day, God provided for their needs, sometimes miraculously. You know, the interesting thing about this, this verse and ending in verse 30, there's a question at the end. And it's an important question for us to ask ourselves. And the question is, why do you have so little faith? You know, the real question is not whether or not 
God knows our needs. The real question is whether or not we believe God knows our needs and will provide. We are called to live lives of faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 says it's impossible to please God without faith. Our journey as Christians is a journey of exercising faith and trusting him and walking through this life, trusting that he knows our needs and that he'll provide. And I saw that in Nairobi. I saw that in the slums. They didn't have much, but what they had was faith. And I actually was a little bit jealous of that faith because I didn't really have what they had. Well, we've looked at those who have too little, but what about those with too much? The truth is that if you have too much, you're probably still anxious. Probably different anxious for different reasons, and we'll look at that. But when Paul said earlier that he had to learn how to be content in all situations, including having too much, he knew the dangers of that. There's dangers in having too much, and we learn that from Proverbs. Proverbs says this, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may still and thus insult God's holy name. Having too much can lead to us denying our Lord. And that alone should make us a little anxious. How in the world does having too much lead to denying the Lord? You're probably sitting there saying, my gosh, if I was blessed, I would feel gratitude, and I'd thank the Lord, and, and I'd feel really, really good. Well, if you remember, we just talked about our journey, and our journey is a journey of faith. And that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so I kind of have a confession to make. I'm not proud of it, but it's a truth in my life. And it may be a truth in your life, true. And that is that I personally don't have to exercise faith to meet my needs today. And that scares me a little bit. It's a tremendous danger. It's a tremendous danger that you may face because it makes me wonder if I'm really depending on God or not. I'm very keenly aware that the enemy can use the blessings that God has given me or allowed me to have to take my dependence away from God and put it on those things. Again, Jesus kind of shows us that there's a fine line there that we have to be careful about. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
Well, maybe you wouldn't say that you're enslaved to money. But when you have money, and it requires your time, your energy, your attention, and you have no reason to have to depend on God, it can still end up being your master. I've always wondered what my response would be with the guy that came running to Jesus as Jesus was going to Jerusalem and asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, well, you need to sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and come follow me. I wonder what I would have responded with. That man said, says that his face fell and he went away because he had great possessions. I find it interesting, too, that the scripture says that Jesus felt genuine love for him because Jesus understood that when we have a lot of possessions and when we have wealth, there's an automatic struggle that takes place between whether that's more important or whether our relationship with the Lord is more important. Money, possessions, wealth just has a way of creeping further and further into our lives, even when we don't desire it. Maybe you don't long to be rich, but it's a reach that may go further than what you want it to do. Paul says to Timothy, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Having too much can bring anxiety. The anxiety of realizing that maybe you're not depending on God and that maybe you're close to denying him. It also brings the anxiety of having to make all the decisions about what you're going to do with all of that wealth that you have. So what do we do practically to get rid of this grip of financial anxiety that's on our heart? The answer is the same for both ends of the spectrum, whether you have too little or too much. And the answer is to be generous. General, generosity releases the grip of money on your heart, whether you have too little or too much. You see, when you're generous with the little amount you have or the great amount you have, you're depending on God. You're exercising faith for him to meet your needs. You know, there's no way that we can outgive God. No way. Second Corinthians says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God is a generous God. You're not going to outgive him. I'll bet you on that. 
You just can't outgive God. And Jesus taught the same principle back on the Sermon on the Mount again. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you will give will determine the amount you get back. You'll know when you're generously giving because you'll be exercising faith in your life. It will leave your hand with your mind saying, I trust you, Lord. And if you are not having to say, I trust you, Lord, then you might have to question whether you're generously giving. Maybe you're giving safely. And if you're giving safely, then you're back not to exercising faith and trusting in what you have. We need to leave that comfort zone and give more than we are comfortable with, whether if we have too little or too much. We need to exercise faith in our financial situation and experience the fact and the truth that you can't outgive God. And it's not like God needs your money, but you need the benefit. Philippians, again, Paul says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. When we exercise faith, we are going to see God working in our lives. We're going to see benefits in our life. And that shouldn't be a surprise. Psalms 24, 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. His resources are tremendous and they're limitless. And the truth is that everything we have, he's given to us. And this all plays into the spiritual discipline of giving. It's not any different than any of the other spiritual disciplines that we should be practicing, whether it's prayer, fasting, worship, service. They all are journeys of faith. They're all about depending on God and not ourselves. So in this area of discipline of giving, it may mean exercising faith in giving $50 a month, which may be the same amount of faith that it's going to take somebody to give $5,000 a month. It's not the amount. It's the exercise of faith. This is an area that we can grow in in our pursuit of God and our circle that we look at, the second one in honoring God. It should be who we are as Christians. And we shouldn't have the 2080 rule that exists in business and every place else. 20% of the people giving 80% of the resources. That shouldn't be a reflection of the church. I find it somewhat ironic that we can put our faith in God for our eternal salvation, but we struggle to give him faith in meeting our temporal needs. If you turn one page back from Matthew chapter 1, you'll end up in Malachi. There's four chapters, but 
they're short, so you'd still turn to Malachi 3. And in Malachi 3, Malachi is communicating to Israel that they are experiencing anxiety in a drought because they refuse to exercise faith in giving all of the tithes and contribution. Malachi says, will a man rob God? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they, there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. Excuse my pun, but we shortchange ourselves drastically when we do not exercise faith in giving. Because when we do, when we generously give by faith, that faith will open the windows of heaven. I can guarantee you the discipline of generously giving will take your anxiety away and put you where you need to be, at the feet of Jesus, trusting in him, depending on the one who knows our needs. Paul rightfully says at the end of Philippians 4, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Our dependence, our faith, needs to be in Christ. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, regardless of what the consumer index says. We need to depend on our Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that this area of finances is just one area that you desire us to practice faith in. So, Father, I just ask that you would speak to each one of us and what that means. Are we really depending on you? Are we really practicing, exercising faith in this area of our lives? Lord, you, you are, are limitless in your resources. We know you can provide for us and help us to learn, help us to grow, help us to trust in you in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.